0: You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 27, and Greg is a pretty, pretty princess.
1: Rob, you misread (laughs) the script. Stick to the script, Rob.
0: No! I'm a star! Where are all my brown M&Ms? I'll be in my trailer!
2: Jimmy, are you paying for a trailer for him? (laughs) Uh, I don't think that's your trailer, Rob.
0: Oh, is that why the lady wouldn't let me in?
2: Yeah. Oh,
0: whatever. I need to speak to my agent. Rush out on an uptown train, doors open.
2: As she walks in, she's soaking. Caught in the rain, her skin shines a like crystalline.
0: Me. You know this is the Give Me Five podcast, where each week we discuss all things entertainment. It could be streaming, TV shows, festivals, or even a book from 1988. I'm Rob, and as always, I'm here with my co host, Jimmy.
2: Not Rob's agent.
0: And Greg.
1: Was once Rob's agent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you were. Yeah, you were. This week, we're going to discuss the Tampa Renaissance Festival. Apparently, we're not discussing those. And we have a, we have a wonderful interview yes. with the author of the Legend of Huma book, Richard A. Knack.
2: Yes. And I am very, very excited to talk to him. If you listen to our first episode, Richard Knack, Mr. Knack is the author of my favorite fantasy book of all time, The Legend of Huma. So stick around for that.
0: Stay tuned. Jimmy might even geek out a little bit. A and little. bit. Might- There might be a girly squeal or two.
2: So guys, this is a review show and there will probably be spoilers, but I'm really not that sorry if we're spoiling a book from 1988. Uh, you'll just have to read it or listen to it on audible.com.
3: Damn you, Jimmy.
2: We will try to avoid any major twists though. Um, I don't think there will be too many in our interview, so stick around for it, even if you haven't read the book. So for example, if you did not know that Rob definitely wore leather pants this weekend. Lies. Or that my co-hosts were going to surprise me with the interview uh, later on in the show from, you know, the author of my favorite book. Like I said, we did have technical difficulties, unfortunately, that scuttled that idea. So stick around for it because we're doing it this week.
1: Yes. And if you want to contact us, feel free to contact us on Facebook. Uh, By searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. That's F I V E five. You can also check us out on at Give Me Five Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us directly at givemefivepodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I usually like to do it while wearing a shirt. And,
0: (laughs) no, he doesn't.
1: And, I see where
0: he's going, but that was a terrible lead in. I'm just going to say that.
1: It's also not true because I, tend to like not wearing shirts when listening to podcasts. However,
0: he does it in the nude.
1: Usually <laughs> <laughs> let him finish. Let, let me finish. So if you seem to be lacking shirts while listening to your podcast, we happen to have a shirt store. We do. So you can you, buy other uh... things there too. Yeah. You can buy things, other things there, like, like cell phone cases. Um, but if you don't have a shirt, you probably don't really need a cell phone case. But anyway, that's uh at giveme5podcast.threadless.com for all of your shirt needs. <laughs> other than you guys I don't frankly, know where to go with that. <laughs> I don't know
2: why Rob's laughing, but it's making me laugh.
1: I don't know after all of the other crazy crap I've said to Rob why uh, this is getting him. However, yeah, let's uh, – any new news out there, guys? Anything you've seen? Well, just just today I actually got a chance to go to
0: the first day, opening day, of the Epcot Flower and Garden Festival. Ooh. It actually started today and runs uh, through the end of April, I think. Yeah.
2: I might have to look that up. So I take it it but wasn't it, very busy?
0: It, it runs for about 90 days. It runs for about three months. Okay. So maybe it's May.
1: It's beautiful. Mark they do, like, they do yeah. really beautiful things there.
2: I haven't been to that.
0: It's, so, it's, they, they, they've got a bunch of neat topiaries. We, they they do have food, like they do at the food and wine festival. They've got several booths set up, and we did try some of the uh, some of the food at the booths. By the way, Canada, excellent every year. Uh, their their scallops and beef tips were fantastic. Good job, the, eh? Yeah. The, good job, eh? The macaroon, the chocolate macaroon in
1: France was amazing. Understandable. Understandable. But yeah, be careful at this particular event because if you're not, oh, not all, careful, you might accidentally eat a vegetable. You you might,
0: or you might actually end up spending like all of your savings. That is also um, true because the food gets really expensive after a while. Uh, you can do what we did though; we we bought one of those gift cards and just loaded it. So that was it. You know, you mm. you spend what's on the gift card and that's it. You're done.
3: Mm. But, Great, did uh, you Germany? Germany
0: that's Go ahead. uh Germany was my favorite. They had a uh, they had a pretzel uh, a pretzel like roll pretzel bun that had Gruyere cheese and like ham baked into it. It was so good. Ooh,
2: I love Gruyere cheese. So good, Greg. So you don't have a, uh, a stronger appreciation for vegetables even after your your like behind the scenes tour at the land? No, I do. I do. I um, mm. I'm okay with vegetables. Do even you? I- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had a, like ah, I'm not a entire salad just yesterday, and it wasn't like no. where you pasta, say pasta
0: salad doesn't count as a salad no, it, was, it, was, it was regular salad and it was, oh, wow. it, was
1: it was actually I'm, like I'm a happy salad with like vegetables and it wasn't like when you say it's salad, but you just put like when you go to the salad bar and you only get like ham and egg and bacon <laughs> bits bacon bitch <stuff>. and then <laughs> pork. And then put a bunch of.
0: Croutons I got it at food. the salad bar. I mean, come on. And put
1: a bunch of croutons and then douse it in ranch dressing. Yeah, no, it wasn't that. It was it was like legit. It was mixed greens and there was um, uh, was all sorts of like corn and carrots and all sorts of good stuff in there. So it was it was good. Good. I'm so proud i proud And so hungry for the rest of the day that I proceeded to eat like three cheeseburgers.
2: But at least I ate nice. a sandwich for lunch.
0: But, but you started off. There. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I went and saw Thor again last night, so that's no new news. Um. And no, it was just no news
1: thing. is good news when it's news with Gary Gnu see that just, all right that I don't know people, what that's from that's from a show called the great Space coaster that was uh from popular up north I think it was like Pittsburgh up through like New England and it it was like Muppets and one of the newscaster characters was the name Gary Gnu but only the people awesome. in the north in the early 80s know what I'm talking about so not myself I actually, sorry
0: I actually quoted something like that today while Jen was streaming no good news is good good news. Yeah.
2: So in other news and very exciting to me, the Dark Tower TV series has found a home on Amazon. So with Amazon Studios, um, I was, I'm, I'm really happy to hear this. There's, there's no indication that Idris Elba is attached to it, but hopefully this gives them the opportunity to kind of uh, explain more of the lore behind, uh, you know, the movie, which I enjoyed but it left a lot to be desired as there's so much to cover. It's helmed by Glenn Mazzara, who was a showrunner for season three of the walking dead. That is the, uh, the prison season.
1: Yeah. So did we like that season or didn't we? I think I did. Except
2: for, I think I I
1: did. Except. So I think that one started in the farm and maybe ended in the prison or maybe it was like, it started in the prison. Cause I'm I always get, always get screwed up with the, uh, the mid season stuff.
0: Prison I think season, it started with them finding
1: the prison. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah.
2: There was it was just a series of
1: virus episodes, which made me remarkably uncomfortable. Ooh. Like it was the beginning of, um of uh the second half of the season. I remember that being uncomfortable, but I think it moved it really the biggest deal. It didn't move at a good pace. And I think it did.
2: Mm. So there's some other news from Amazon studios, Greg. Yeah, no,
1: when they, when they announced the dark tower TV series, which may or may they have not announced whether or not it's going to follow the movie or be re- related to the movie. Although it's still the same people. Yeah, it doesn't have the right.
2: need to, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um, so there is not that, but they also announced that they're going to be um, taking on uh, Wheel of Time and uh, Ring World, which are two other um, pretty pretty famous fantasy series. Wheel of Time was uh, was written by uh, I guess Frederick Field, and um, I don't know that one quite as well, but Ring World was Aren't like there were like seven hundred books in Wheel of Time. I'm not sure on that one. That one I've I know Uh, people thought the Wheel of Time was Robert Jordan, or is that or am I thinking of a different series? That's a different series. Oh, but but Ringworld was like one of the the first fantasy series that actually kind of went mainstream, and it was start started in the '70s, and it was about like this giant like ring like world that kind of encompasses a sun, and it's you know has this giant livable surface, and it's all the stories there. Um, I think it's you know has the ability to be a beautiful series if they get the right people to work on it. And I think that even though it's this giant, you know, basically ring, obviously, uh, I think that they can still work with it within a small budget because they're only going to talk, you know, show different areas of this place at a time. So uh, you know, it looks like Amazon is really going all in, in fantasy
2: and, but and science fiction. So just to back up a little bit, uh wheel of time, there are 14, 14- books in the series uh the last few books were were uh actually finished by other people and yes that was written by robert jordan Ah, okay the so the research department needs to be Uh, needs to be fired the
1: pen name of james oliver rigney jr so i'm sorry mr jordan for calling you uh frederick Field, which i have no idea where i got that maybe he's the (laughs) showrunner
2: maybe we should get research on that yeah
1: (laughs) When Googling it, it does complete it. Uh, he is a um, showrunner. And now and now Greg is on the list to be replaced with a helper monkey. I already was. It says here that Ted Field is an American media mogul who optioned the new Jumanji movie. Okay, and that did pretty well, and this is his new thing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing for for us comic nerds now, as I've said many times... Comic nerd, but I am I am a recovering comic nerd. As about five years ago, I stepped away from the hobby because they were doing so many reboots. And one of my favorite things about comics was things tying into past issues, which explains my love for like X Men comics, where you had to read three hundred and something issues to understand what was going on. So they kept on rebooting and rebooting and rebooting, and and it just you know between that and having a kid, it was not really something I wanted to spend thirty bucks a week on. So uh, it was announced. That there is yet another Marvel reboot coming, and I say yet another because they have had four reboots now since two thousand fifteen, which I think is ridiculous. Um, so I am kind of glad I got out of that. But uh, you know, I I am not sure why they keep on rebooting.
0: Well, doesn't doesn't Disney own Marvel now? Was this Disney's nah, decision? No, I mean
1: Disney owns Marvel, but it's not.
0: Or do they just own Marvel studios? No, they own Marvel.
1: They own Marvel. Marvel no. went went bankrupt even long before the reboots, but. I think that they're they are they're pretty hands-off. But here, I think the Marvel comics aren't what makes the money. So I don't think, but I don't think that Disney, I think Disney is pretty hands-off, other than maybe saying, you know, hey, look, this movie is coming out. Hawkeye is presented this way. Maybe you need to kind of present him that way in the comic. But I have seen that, you know, since, since the movies t- took off, some of the characters all of a sudden, you know, Tony Stark all of a sudden starts looking like Robert Downey Jr. Okay, but... They've also been allowed to take a lot of risks. And I thought that was really good. Like there's a series um for the vision and it came out right when vision was introduced in the movies. And this thing, this vision series could not have been any less mainstream. So if people were like, Oh, I saw this movie and this vision character is really cool. I'm going to pick up the comic. They're going to be like, what the hell is this <laughs> written by a guy mm-hmm. named Tom King? It's It's really good, but it's not superheroes. Like I was saying, there's been four reboots at Marvel since 2015. Uh, for example, after Star Wars, they did all-new, all-different Marvel, and that put characters in kind of new directions and teams in new directions. For example, um, Captain America was no longer Steve Rogers. It was now Sam Wilson, who we know from the movies as being Falcon, which eventually led to Civil War II. This was a Marvel's attempt at recapturing the magic of the original Civil War series, but it was not-well-received event. And it put various characters at odds with each other that were all fan-favorite characters, and it eventually led to the death of Bruce Banner, who, of course, is the Hulk. After Civil War II ended, it led to Marvel Now 2.0, which placed, uh, yet again, more char- new characters this time into roles as, like, for example, uh, Riri Williams, which who became a younger female Iron Man. And it also brought back Steve Rogers' Captain America. However, due to the Cosmic Cube, which the movie watchers might know as the, the Tesseract from the early movies brought him back as an agent of Hydra. And there was huge complaints online from people that were like, why is this one character who's supposed to be the epitome of good now brought back as an agent of the epitome of evil, Hydra, which is a very loose or very not loose analogy for the Nazis. And first of all, I sort of understood it, but at the same time, how many comics have you read where characters die and come back, characters become good, they become evil? It's not like they couldn't undo it. Although the creators of the series tried to basically say, well, you know, Captain America was evil all along. It was just, he was just planning for this moment. When the evil Captain America's plans finally came to culmination, it led to a multi-title, multi-issue series known as Secret Empire. And that, of course, during that series, with Captain America being evil, it necessitated yet another reboot, which was Marvel Legacy, which took the very interesting path of renumbering all of these comics have been rebooted over and over again to their original numbers. So we ended up with series that were going from issue like 15, jumping to issue 387, which would have been their original numbering. Probably something I would have liked because I liked when these numbers were higher. I know that they sell more of a number one issue, but I just like the history of the comics, especially now that you can reach back and read anything digitally. And now that they've announced the fourth reboot, we are going to get what is co- being called a fresh start uh, new creative teams new books i believe they're whittling down the multiple avengers teams down to one avengers team and one avengers comic so it seems like they're simplifying in a way and with this simplification i'm hoping that they focus on good stories rather than rebooting everything every year or so from from a recovering comic nerd that's that's what i got there
0: hmm.
1: all right a couple other little things um for for a, Myself, who, of course, has the the small child running around, Um, Disney Junior is actually – it's the kids' shows. It's usually for ages, like, two to seven. And they are going to do a Rocketeer animated series, which I find very interesting.
2: Hmm. And it's going to – Rocketeer was one of the first uh, PC games that I really, really, really enjoyed, on a side note. I
1: remember remember seeing that movie. Um, So there's a few things. You know, like, one – if you know it from the movie or from the early comics, I'm gonna be pretty sure that the the show geared towards two to seven year olds is not gonna take on the Nazis. I'm just gonna go ahead and guess that that's not gonna be a major plot point.
2: Eh, they need to learn young that yeah, they were uh, awful. I, mean, I, I
1: just don't. I don't think that's gonna be a plot point. But it involves a um a, a young girl named Cat that gets a rocketeer jetpack for her birthday, and then she's gonna go on all sorts of fun adventures. I'm interested to see how they do it, especially because I think that some of the Disney Junior shows and some of the Disney XD shows have really taken a, an interesting art style towards things, especially the uh, new DuckTales show. So I like that. And they also mentioned today, since we're talking about it, uh, Silver Surfer movie is in production, being written by Brian K. Vaughn. And Brian K. Vaughn is one of the better comic writers of the past uh, uh, 10, 15 years, having written a, a series called Why the Last Man, which someday I'm going to have to cover on the show because it's really good. And it's about... A, basically a, a virus kills all of the women in the world and leaves one guy left. And it's very interesting because it's very, um, well researched. So like,
0: wait, wait kills sir. all sorry, of the women in the world, the,
2: sorry, I I said think wrong. You got wrong. kills all of the men in the world leaving one. Okay. I read it quite a long time ago and that was kind of the first, um, series that I said, well, wait a minute. Comic books are, are, can be a serious method of storytelling. After Brian
1: K. Vaughn spent some time in comics, he went on to write some episodes for Lost, and then he became a showrunner for the show Under the Dome. And then he returned to comics and wrote a comic named Saga, which is still going on, and Saga is absolutely bat-crap crazy. It's got robots Hmm. with television heads, it's got a hairless cat called Lying Cat that just tells people they're lying all the time, and it's got this really good giant space opera-style story that if you like like absurdity and space then that, that that's the story for you but that's uh, that's the
2: news i've seen recently awesome some really good uh streaming information streaming news i should say uh looking forward to it
0: all right well uh this past weekend um i actually had the opportunity to go to the tampa bay renaissance festival it's something that i like to do every you know i i try to go to at least one a year is this the one called flurf I don't believe so because I believe this one is called the Bay Area Renaissance Festival. Barf. Yeah.
2: yeah. Barf. <laughs> Even better.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but it's it's one of the it's one of the bigger festivals. There's a, there's a couple of big ones here in Florida. There's the one in South Florida that's in Deerfield at Quiet Waters Park. That one runs for about a month, month and a half. This one here runs about the same, about a month, month and a half. And then there's another one that's up north in Live Oak, I believe. And that one also runs for quite a while. Um, I typically, I typically only go to the Renaissance festivals that that basically set up shop and park for a month or more because yeah, those I are. Have a, I have a
1: question about that. Go ahead. So, do Renaissance festival people um, are they kind of like? I, I hate using this term, but are they kind of like carnies. carnies with, yeah, they like carnies where they'll they basically will be living in trailers or tents or whatever for that month. Or yes. are they usually from that area? Or. Um,
0: there there may be some from the area, but there are definitely performers who travel around to the different shows. Um right. I I have I have actually been to Renaissance festivals in five different states, and I have seen several of the same performers. And surprisingly, I have seen several of the same performers who are not actually stage performers, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, there are people who walk around, um, just basically walk around the festival playing a particular role. Um, like, Ralphie the Rag Picker, I believe <laughs> his name is. Um, there's another guy who's like a, a rat catcher. Um, but I've seen those guys at multiple festivals in different states.
1: So yeah, I know that there's like a podcast, like the Renaissance Festival Minute, where they're talking about seeing you. Like, we saw that one dude yeah. in five different states.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What was he doing? I don't know. But th- that was actually how I used to pick my, um, my assignments when I would travel to, for nursing, cause I was a travel nurse for a couple of years. But I picked my assignments based upon where they had large Renaissance festivals. So I've, I've actually been to quite a few Renaissance festivals. But I also used to like try to go to like one every year and I would add a new sword to my collection every year from the Renaissance festival. So that was, that was one of the ways that I kept my sword collection up. But the Tampa, like I said, the Tampa Bay Renaissance Festival is is a decent sized festival. They do have a lot of vendors. They've got a couple of shows. I have I have yet to run into some of my anything that basically compares to like what my favorite shows were as I was growing up and going to these Renaissance festivals. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't have anything that compares to the Mud Show anymore that they used to have in the at the
1: Deerfield one that I went to. They don't have anything a lot. Because you brought me to a Renaissance, Renaissance Festival, uh-huh. talked about the Mud Show, and I don't remember if we saw it or not.
0: the The Mud Show used to be that they did like Shakespearean plays in a pit of mud. They reenacted like Shakespearean plays in a pit of mud, and it was fantastic. They were hilarious. They were really good, and they kind of broke up. Uh, one of the guys who, mm. who I think might have been the driving creative force behind the show actually went his own way, and then the show kind of fell apart after that.
2: Mm. Now they do Shakespeare in the Barf Pit.
0: no it it was it was actually really sad because i went i went and saw them after he had left and they had gone from doing this really clever comedy to simply doing dives into the mud and splashing people for they're like oh you know we're gonna rate these dives and they would dive into the mud and do stuff and try and splash people and it was i was like really
2: yeah that's a bummer
0: yeah it was it was it was really sad but as far as I understand, they they are king at like the Ohio Renaissance Festival. So that is the one place in the country where they actually do still perform. I don't know if they still do it, but last time I checked, they, they did perform at the Ohio Renaissance Festival because they were like the draw at the Ohio Renaissance Festival but there's 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 a couple of good acts at the Tampa bay renaissance festival the The washing well wenches are a staple there, and their show is is very entertaining. If you have a chance, go see that one. I might say that that's one of the better shows there. but one of the things that we really like to do is i well one I always like to dress up, but we go and we do some shopping and stuff, and of course, you know I bought some stuff while we were there. I almost talked to Jen into um <laughs> Spending way more money than what she wanted to, and getting
1: a a leather outfit for like some of her cosplay stuff, which I believe she was streaming, and I believe I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, 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 yeah you did. I mean, you were streaming it, so I I saw it. I saw some of some of it. Look, look fun. Um, I think for me, that's definitely something I will do again when my when my kid is a little older because I think he 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 went to uh medieval times recently and loved it. Mm-hmm. And had a great time. And,
0: and honestly, at his age, there is stuff that he could do and that he would enjoy. There's there's plenty of things for him to see and enjoy, even at the age that he's at now. The biggest problem I think you'd have would be the
1: hour-and-a-half to two-hour drive to Tampa. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get him there at some point.
0: But like, like I was telling you earlier, what, one of the things that I really just enjoy doing is going to the Renaissance Festival and shopping. Uh, they've got a ton of booths with all kinds of different vendors. A lot of it is handmade stuff. It's almost like a craft fair, but a lot of it is like really high quality, very good stuff, very interesting. They've got all kinds of like fantasy items. They had like dragon incense burners, where when you burned the incense, it came out its nose and looked like it was like you know smoking and stuff. It was there's there's a lot of like really neat stuff at these festivals, and I I love going and just seeing the stuff that they have.
1: Nice, they, and they and, love having and, you and and selling stuff to you, and getting swords. Yes, 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 yes. All of the swords. Um, I think that leads us in to our interview. Okay, Jimmy, so this was supposed to be a surprise for last week, but we had some technical difficulties. But on the very first episode of our show, uh, you said that one of the most inspirational books that you read for where you are now was Legend of Huma. Yes. So for your birthday, uh, we reached out to Richard Knack, who is the author of Legend of Huma, as well as many other books. And he was gracious enough to join us on the show.
2: So welcome, Richard. Thank you for having me here. Yes, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank
0: you for and, joining us. We're very glad. to.
2: If I did say, if I said one of, um, I certainly meant the most influential book on my tastes. Um, I believe the first time I read Legend of Huma was probably, I, I can actually see the classroom I was in, um, fifth grade. And that was because a friend of mine named Sean would always be reading these books and, and I became, you know, very curious as to what they were. And well, they were the Dragonlance series. And he insisted that I start with the first volume in the, you know, heroes series, which was the legend of Huma. And I have come back to that book several times. Um, it's been out of print for a while, I believe.
3: Yes. Unfortunately. Unfortunately.
0: It is and, it is, however, still available on audiobook because that was how I got it.
3: And mm. ebook. It's an ebook form, but not print form. Go figure. Ah uh, well. I actually had to
2: come back. I you know, probably moved or or whatever the case was and lost it. Uh lost my original copy when, you know, I was able to go and find it, where it was a, a mission of mine to go and read through all the Dragonland series. Um lost that copy had to go through other resellers online and reorder, you know, <laughs> copies that were at least in fair condition.
3: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I like multiple I appreciate styles. you writing it. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, believe me, it um, went through a lot to get that one written. Um, at first, I'd written some short stories for them, which appeared in the mm-hmm. Tales collections. And uh, the uh, third story that I wrote, which is actually the second story that was published, they switched them around was uh, called Definitions of Honor. And uh, that included a, a, a confrontation between a knight, a salon, mm-hmm. and a minotaur of that world. And having Ray devel- decided to develop ideas about, since they mentioned that the minotaurs were honorable, yet somehow monsters, which I couldn't figure that out, so I fixed that. You um, did, yes. I went and uh, tried to show the differences between their two different senses of honor, you know, what each one was willing to do. And uh, that worked out so well that in addition to, the story another story that had dealt with the Knights of Salamnia, they came in and asked me if I would do the story of Huma, the first person to wield the dragon lance and um, which of course naturally I was eager to do, even though there was there was like about I think a thumbnail worth of actual information on the character of course that of course did allow me to add my own input in there based strictly on what I thought they were looking for in the interpretation and uh, happy to say that after uh, after a couple of attempts on it, I got this one written and uh was published and people most people seem to really enjoy it still
2: the have you listened to the audio version of it
3: i have not i have i have not i'm not, not i probably should have but i have not had time <laughs> okay um, and
0: and that, that was actually going to be one of one of my questions um because i was trying to find out how how much input or or um opinion i guess you guys have on the narrators who actually perform your books.
3: I have absolutely no no input. So I I try not to worry about what the, what the uh, narrator might say. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm hoping that they'll mostly pronounce the words correctly. And that if they do voices that I hope they're pretty close to what the character would be like.
2: (laughs) They were interesting. Uh, They, they weren't how I I pictured, you know, the characters in my
3: head. Uh,
0: Probably Kaz being one of the biggest ones that stands out.
3: That's understandable. I've, I've, I've uh, um, had other works being um, put into audiobook before and I've heard a couple of voices from things and I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad I was there at the time when they asked me, you know, <laughs> because <laughs> the, people, the people do a very nice job in narration, but when they come to a voice, it's like, no, it's a minotaur. It's not going to sound like that. You know, yeah. Maybe it was a kinder. It might sound like that. But <laughs> 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 but, um I, I'm, you know, as long as people enjoy the story, that's all I care.
2: I um, don't think I've actually told the guys this, but I used to role play as a kinder. Ouch. Yeah. Back that's, in AOL chat.
3: That's uh
2: Don't judge me too harshly. I was young. But <laughs> you said you went through um, several different iterations or versions of The Legend of Huma.
3: Let's say two um, and a half. That's okay. The way of
2: it. So. And you wrote, um, you know, previously some shorter stories for them. How did you get involved with the Dragonlance series? And, <laughs> and what was your experience with Dungeons & Dragons?
3: I literally, Well, I, I played Dungeons & Dragons before. I, I, I went to a couple of the conventions in Lake Geneva, when, you know, for Gen Kai when they were there. Um, but um, I was always a person who wanted to become a writer. I I'd written several things in my own, nothing that would be published, although I'd gotten close. And then I came, I wrote a novel called Fire Drake. And I had not sold to anybody yet, but somebody suggested to me that Lake Geneva was not too far from Chicago. So I literally drove up to Lake Geneva, walked in the front store and asked if I could see one of the editors. And after they got over the shock of somebody actually asking that <laughs> one <of the> book <laughs> editor came out, we had a discussion. He took my writing samples, included that book and a partial of another one. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, if I didn't hear from him in a couple of weeks to call him back. Well, I didn't hear from him in a couple of weeks, so I called him back, expecting the worst. But he said they really liked my writing style, liked the kind of characters I did. But they were only doing this one series right now called Dragonlance. But they had some anthologies that they're kind of was interested in writing some short stories based in the world. And I said sure, and uh, so I quickly went out and read everything that was available, came up with some ideas, and uh, hoped I could get at least one in something. Ended up getting a story in each one of the uh, the three anthologies that they had. Uh, wow. Two, yeah. Uh, two stories of which included knights and one of which included minotaurs in it. And um, and had draconians in the, the first one. Mm. And um, in fact, I, I could have had another story in one of the volumes, except that by that time, uh, other things had developed. Uh, one of them being that they liked the way I handled honorable characters so much, they said, Would you be interested in doing the story of Huma? And uh, so, as I said, I, I definitely agreed on that one quickly. Um, worked on everything I could. Find about him, uh, develop everything else from there. Decided he needed someone to contrast with him, and yet compare it, and that's where a certain minotaur named Kaz shows up. Mm-hmm. And um, the the uh, back and forth between them, as the entire story develops, was one of the crucial points that made this the novel work, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, that, that went so well that. Uh, they approached me later on to do some more with Kaz. Originally they even asked me if I would do a trilogy, but I was caught up in other works and could only promise at that moment to do one. I really wish I could have done more at that time, believe me. Mm-hmm. So, so they, uh, so I wrote Kaz the Minotaur, a little more adventure, the straight adventure than, than Huma, but also with some different aspects. Uh, speaking of Kender, I gave a, I thought, what's the worst thing I can do to a Minotaur? I know I'll give him a Kender for a companion. <laughs>
2: yeah uh it's talk about huma and kaz contrasting i think uh kinder and a minotaur would be you know polar opposites and and it's, it just kinder really serves to annoy minotaur
3: i i, I tried i tried to make delvin re- useful too but you know there were, mm-hmm. there were times i know the kaz would have liked to have just taken a swipe with his hand you know yeah
1: I think that's fascinating that you were able to just walk in because you know, we we talked to another author recently named S. K. Nichols, and she was telling us that you know the the digital world of digital publishing has made it so that anyone who thinks they feel like being an author can just like throw stuff up there, and that she runs into very bad unedited stuff. And I think that extra level of having to go somewhere and actually present stuff to an editor kind of weeds out the people that are doing it as a hobby versus the people that are serious and willing to write various versions of a book and edit and take that extra step. And I'm,
3: Well, anytime a... I'm writing something, and you know, even if it's for my own, even if it's something I'm doing on my own, um, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll keep rewriting even as I'm writing it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So by the time I get to the end, I've got a fairly good draft already. Uh, and then I'll go through again, you know, and, and, uh, you know, edit and rewrite things. But uh, so that, that's a process that's worked for me since day one. Um, you know, and then, I you know I I may make some some mistakes and things, but overall I seem to have um, been able to do well on both ends with the stuff that's published through the publishers and with the things that I've done on uh, myself.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. guess that leads me to a, another question that I've I've had is you know how is it different writing for existing properties because you've you've written for what War, for Warcraft,
3: Warcraft Diablo Conan, yeah. uh, Pathfinder to name a few. Yeah, yeah. Do, of-
0: do you have a lot of uh, creative leeway with, with stuff that's already established like World of Warcraft and, and Conan and Diablo?
3: It'll vary depending on the project and the people. Uh, for the most part, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things you have to keep in line with, uh, and especially the more developed the world, the better. Uh, with Dragonlance, it was a pretty open world still, so I was, uh, I was able to develop, for instance, the Minotaur race into a path that nobody really expected at that time. Mm-hmm. It would be a popular one. They even got to do eventually a whole trilogy about their Civil War and stuff. Uh, even they'll did some stuff with the ogres because of that. But with other worlds like World of Warcraft, you know, there's a lot of stuff there, and they have they had some really terrific lore people to help. You know, mm-hmm. adjust. Things. You know, and then but the, that that was a point where the game was growing, so we had to correct some things because of the growth of the game too.
0: Oh, um, and I played that one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, man. A few people. Yeah, I'm I'm have so, um, and then, um, with, um, the Conan stuff, you know, I had a little more leeway in that because I was doing a character who has lived in the world but was not Conan, you know, and that seemed to have gone pretty well with people. Uh, like I said, it varies from, it varies from, uh, from property to property. Some are very strict, uh, like what I'm working on now, and some are, you know, you know some are more flexible.
2: So with the, you know, Dragonlance series, um, and, and writing, Legend of Huma, Kasa how stringent were the rules on following with the Dungeons and Dragons?
3: They wanted, the guy scenarios? They wanted with with Dragonlance in particular, they wanted the mm. stories to be more stories. They did not want it to look like you're playing, you know, like you're rolling dice every time your character does something. Mm-hmm. Um, they went, they, we tried to, so we had to, try to stay true to what had been developed before by Margaret and Tracy and the gang. Um, but if there were gaps, you know, I was, I would ask questions and if they would let me fill it in, I would fill it in. Um, my first book started out in a different time period. So that gave me much more of a gap. Yes. To Plus there were some problems we found with the timeline that had been developed. And so I had to try to make some corrections based to try to make up for those mistakes. You know, um, So, you know, we, want, we wanted to have it to be read like real novels and we had an even real, a real novel editor. So, um, so that, because they didn't want to just to read like game books. They already had gaming books too. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the choose your own adventure sort of things, for instance, but uh, they wanted these to be regular fantasy novels.
2: Yeah. And it certainly, you know, read that way. I had Dungeons and Dragons and I, I tried to play it and I was very much a control freak when I was younger and I wanted to be, you know, the DM. When he was younger, Rob.
3: Yeah. <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, I, well, okay. Like, like
3: last week, you mean, or something. So? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Five um, minutes ago, is still younger.
3: <laughs> yeah, got, he was uh, so terrible
0: on that campaign last night. I mean, it was. Oh.
2: Okay. So, but, um, I I got super frustrated with it, but you know, um, reading the books, it it introduced me certainly to, you know, the fantasy realm. I really wouldn't even have considered myself an an avid reader. You know, before then, I'd I'd read the books that were assigned to me in school, but you know, certainly, uh, *Legend of Cuba opened opened up a whole new world for me.
3: I uh, appreciate that. I, it seems yeah. to have done that for several people, and I'm always grateful to hear that people have enjoyed the book or that and that it helped that made them want to read more stuff. You know, to uh, um, I'm, I'm I'm pleased that that people have been pleased by it. I, you know, I'm always happy yeah. to hear. It.
2: I used to come home every day from school, and I don't know how I used to be able to do it, but I would I would on my headphones and I would lay on the living room floor and I would just read until my parents forced me to do my homework.
3: <laughs> you, don't want your, you don't want your stuff doing your homework. No, yeah. you don't the, want to uh, say, Richard Books makes delinquents. No.
1: <laughs> That's the headline. That's going to be the, the title of this uh, episode. So. <laughs> there you
3: go.
1: <laughs> no, we, uh, Jimmy and I actually worked with uh, Dave Artisan briefly. Okay. Because we work at F- uh, Full University. So um, he taught in a different department but um he actually lived beneath a friend of mine um later in his life and unfortunately i didn't get a chance to talk to him too much because his health was was not great at the time yeah but, but uh it made me kind of look back and i i i had moved from the north down south and up north i was playing like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that And when i moved down south i moved to a an area that that was there was no one to play that with they were more interested in going to the mall yeah <laughs> you know doing that kind of stuff and so, playing shuffleboard yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was, you know, Boca, Florida. It's not exactly Florida, Florida, it, retirement community. I'm very close to one actually with yeah, Rob esen- and myself.
0: Essentially. We both grew up in Boca.
1: In uh, fact, if, if I am down there visiting my mom who still lives there, if I, she's not in a retirement community, but if I do anything that like geotags you, would always geotags to, to King's point, which is like the big. retirement <laughs> community <down there. laughs> So, so you're not wrong at all. Um... But, um, anyway. Um, Let's see. Uh, so I,
0: I did have I did have one experience with um, Dungeons and Dragons in Boca, and it it was the only experience I ever had because we literally spent three hours setting up the characters and and getting ready to to play you know this game. And I kid you not, within I think it was like five to ten minutes, the DM had killed half the party, and they were out of the game. And I'm like, this is bullcrap. What are we? What? Why are we playing this? <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. So that that was my one experience with Dungeons and Dragons.
3: I don't like DMs like that. At least they should give you a day or two before they kill you all.
0: Exactly, exactly. I mean, we literally spent three hours setting everything up, and then got killed in five minutes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done.
3: <laughs> mind, mind you, we, we did have occasionally a person who played a character so annoying that, he, and he wanted to try to play the character again, and we would get we would get him killed, and then he, he would try to join the party, and we kill him because we didn't know who he was. <laughs> <to
1: him. laughs>
2: There's a rustling it. in the
3: third time he would figure not to do that you know
1: <laughs> Actually I kind of since we're talking a little bit about the the past and stuff um so what inspired you as a kid you know like what brought you
3: into the world of fantasy did you what did you read watch that kind of stuff Well in my day when the bards still went around saying you no know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I was always I always enjoyed uh, reading and uh and making up my own worlds for as soon as I could start reading and, uh, so I, uh, and I also enjoyed fantasy in general. I you know, think I used to watch the old Ray Harryhausen films the okay. other you
1: know, with the stop motion.
3: Yeah. love those things.
1: Yeah. We, yeah. Jimmy and I teach 3d. So we definitely know all about that kind of stuff. Godfather
3: yeah. of visual effects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, so, so those were the kind of things that, that I liked. And then I, I like I, said, I started reading a fantasy of different sorts and science fiction and, um, just I've always liked stories of knights and dragons and things like that. i always made made changes in them, you know, and so um, that was just seemed to be logical. I um, also like comic books, so I try to come up with a few things there too. Uh, you know, but uh, just I like fantasy stories in general. Now I was I that was always determined I was going to write some. Nice.
0: Was there ever like one particular author or one particular book that really got you that really spoke to you or got you going?
3: Well, if I, to, if I want to tell you my influences, um, Andre Norton, she wrote fantasy and science fiction, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first people. Uh, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, who's known for Tarzan, but I always liked his John Carter stuff better. Right. Carter uh, uh, Edgar Allen Poe, because I like that kind of uh, vivid emotional stuff that he has in there, especially yeah. The Raven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, um, uh, Roger Zelazny, <laughs> The Amber Chronicles, although I, my first book, the picture of was a really, um, I'll call it psychedelic for lack of a better word, but uh, Creatures of Light and Darkness, in which the main characters are Egyptian gods and such. That's a science fiction novel. Okay. So, I've
1: heard so much good stuff about Zelazny's work, and i I got to delve into it.
3: You have to read the original Amber Amber series, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think someone told me about it in high school, actually, and they told me about that, and they told me about some of uh, uh, Herbert's Doom stu- Doom dune stuff
3: it and was I up, very very dry to me i had to a little bit to get through that one for me and,
1: and that's what that's what i had to do like i i read all of it all the way through and it's time jumps and it kept me out of it it made me so i didn't get into any more and i probably should have because at that point i hit college and i had to read like everything else so
3: i mean i respect the world building and everything and i know i mean i know Brian uh, kevin j anderson has written a lot of the ones with uh, brian herbert these days mm-hmm. you know? so i respect them i you know, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of the books. Just you know, those are the kind of things that you, you had to sit down and focus on. You know, <laughs> make sure you didn't miss something. You know? Is there
1: is there like a pretty big writers fraternity? Because like you, know, you mentioned a few of the authors, and I'm guessing you like run into them at at signings and festivals and things like that.
3: Is that you're mostly festivals? Um, you know, there are a lot of us who know each other from because of conventions and stuff. Um, you know, it depends. It, it depends where you where you're located and what conventions you get to. You know, or who you talk to online. You know. I know a lot of people online these days that I've never met in person, you know, other than right. author to so, say, uh, and it's great. We're, you know, we all have something in common, even if, uh, even if our personal tastes may differ, there's always something that brings us together. Mm-hmm. So I've always wondered that just with
1: like, when somehow we have, we have interviewed quite a few authors on the show, which is great. And, I always find it like I'm always concerned, like, well if I mention this other author is there like are there like rivalries and stuff stuff like that or is it <laughs> no, usually will,
3: they're rivalries. I've seen rivalries. There's some, you know, authors who say some silly things to them. Um there's some very opinionated ones who, you know, they'll 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 try to 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 um catch you in cast you into the abyss if you have a different opinion of them.
2: Mm-hmm. But
3: uh, uh well most of them most of them are pretty good people, you know. That's good. Uh, that's yeah, it and uh um, i wanted to get back to something on, on the uh on legend of huma yeah i like to point out legend of huma you know I, I said that i brought a couple of writing samples one was fire drake mm-hmm. and um like i said legend of huma is what, what got me all started and everything but fire drake is the book that got me legend of huma and the dragon stuff um it was i created my own world with a different sort of dragons you know shapeshifters uh who were ruling the lands, the dragon kings and such? Some of them are good, bad, and different depending on which one they were. And um, and I had my main character was was a, a new as was a, a you know he was he was the grandson of a great wizard, you know, one of those things. So of course he was also the son of a horrible wizard too. So <laughs> so I could not quoting too much, but um, but the, that series introduced a whole bunch of characters who are probably as popular and some as a lot of people as my, as like Kaz might be in Dark Horse Shade and all the bunch there. But like I said, the the um, the the um, the first the of Fire Drake got me my dragonlance work, and in turn, that got made me, me noticed from another publisher for Fire Drake, and they asked me if I had a sequel in mind, and I actually had three in mind. So yes, so I was able to start Fire Drake, another pu- for sure. Start the dra- which is the Dragon Realm series, mm-hmm. and um, and and so that, you know that started coming up beside on the side from my dragonlance work. And I still do Dragon Run these days. I've got uh, fourteen novels. I'm working on a fifteenth one. Uh, includes one trilogy. Awesome. I've got like about a dozen, almost a dozen uh, novellas to go with it. Um, and, you know, and you know, if you if you if you like if you like my my uh, Dragonland stuff, uh, that's definitely one to check in. I, I think you like I think you'll like Dark Horse and Shade especially, or the Griffin maybe too. Actually, uh, there's a whole bunch. and there's some there's some neat things I've done with the. Uh, with the different races involved it's a very complex world actually, um, so you can see one thing one thing fed another thing, and that's a lot of things got going. I also, you know um, I also have a new project uh, that I want to make mention of in regard to that. yeah, so, please do absolutely oh, yeah Rex Triconus. Um, yeah, for, after hearing so many people talk over the years about how they enjoyed my nights, enjoy my minotaurs, asked me when I can do some more Dragon lance. I was like, I can't do any more dragon lands. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I finally thought, I've got to start thinking of a world where I had minotaurs and knights and other things. Dragons, of course. i got to have dragons. Most of my books have dragons of some sort. And so, um, so I started thinking about a, a, story, um, a different world where there is a, a minotaur empire. I have these different lands, including the knights of Dracoma, who are basically on, this, on the same level as this, the minotaurs. And, and while neither side is actually the bad side. Uh, they both are, are, are sides are vying for dominance in this world, like we have there. But the thing is, you know, there are uh, there are forces behind the scene that are trying to make both sides get into a fight with each other, and uh, mm-hmm. that's the basis for Rex Draconis, um, which is uh, which we've released the first a uh, novella on under the Dragon Moon, where you get to uh, see a lot of the different uh, aspects of the world. You get where we have, uh, you know, we have we have you know wizards and knights and as I said the minotaurs, um, elves and dwarves and stuff. We also have the quillum, which are a bit kinder like, um, okay. but they have their own little quirks and um, and very sharp spines. So well, I don't touch one properly. Um, and then we uh, and then I have, um, like I said, there are different kingdoms involved that I can throw into situations. And uh, and then there's the there's the Fafni and the Fafni, which are the two dragon folk. They're not they're not dragons per se, but they can they can be dragons, and uh, they 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 are, have, think this world is theirs. It no longer is, and so their their manipulations are part of the problem going on in Rex Um But they're, they're, then again, there's powers that they have to bow to, and there are gods that that uh, that are are interfering with different matters. And it's it's a it's become a complex world. Like uh, so there's actually going to be some uh, some. Uh, RPG ga- adventures uh, for Pathfinder and uh, 5e um, that some that's people are developing uh, based around. They won't be, unlike Dragon Ra- Dragonlance, they won't be the exact book replayed as a game. Mm-hmm. There'll be adventures that take place before the events of the first novel, a novella. And then we'll do the same thing when the second novella comes out. And then I'll be, I'll be doing full novels after that. You know? oh, wow. Talk over, about over. talk about world building. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: that sounds like oh. a lot of work. <laughs> uh,
3: I just sure, just yeah. said to do the uh, the manifestation of death you know, on on the on the Rex Draconis Facebook page. Um, he's quite a character. There's a really nice piece of artwork by uh, Mara Art, um, and uh, and she's a real excellent artist. And you should see it. it's it's a sketch one, but it did catches it catches it perfectly. It looks like a small child. Well, it looks like a dead small child. I should say. Uh, so, so um, there's all going to be all kinds of characters and situations going on here. Uh, the, there's 16 major gods in this world, for one thing, including mm-hmm. the death, as we call him. Um, so, so and, that, so and so all of them will be uh, you know, coming into conflict with each other, one way or the other. I'm looking at it right now. As I no. said, if you really go the Minotaurs and Knights, that's a big part of the theme.
2: Yeah, no. I'm I'm looking at the sketch and it.
3: Oh, with it, the the elf ears and the.
2: Oh, I don't really see elf ears under there.
1: Uh, I guess I'm... Oh, wait, there we go. Okay, got it. Okay, I'm, I'm seeing it. Now, now,
2: so that novella is here. out right now. I, I see that on Amazon, uh the Kindle edition, which uh I'm going to add to my Kindle. And before the full novel, the second novella will be coming out?
3: <clears throat> right. After Under the Dragon Moon will come Lords of the Dragon Moon. We'll see more and more of the... uh Interference by the Fafni and the as they try to fight—they cannot fight each other directly. It is forbidden. Okay. And there's a power bigger than anything else, uh, which is inherent in the title Rex Draconis. Uh, as uh, let, me, let me read you. let me read you the figure. Uh, the a world of minotaurs, knights, wizards, dwarves, elves, dragons, and more. A world familiar yet a world new. A world where gods intrude at their whim. A world created by the author of Legend, Huma, Cas Minotaur, and more. That's me. <laughs> it works. At a world where a great leviathan is said to watch over gods and the younger races, preparing to judge each as it sees fit, as is its right.
2: I'm ex- I'm super excited, um, Rob. I'm sorry I I cut you off. Oh no, 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 I
3: was for... I I
0: there's he he's got he's got a huge body of work, and I I was just going to ask um if if someone had never read any of your work before, what which one would you want? somebody completely new to your work to start with that would like wet their appetite and pull them into your universe. Is there one in particular that really kind of stands out to you that, that would, that would really kind of reel people into to your universe and, and, and get them reading a lot of your other stuff?
3: Well, it depends what they want to read. Um, if I was with, um, obviously if since there's a humor, um, there's only an ebook and audio book, it might be a hard mm-hmm. to some people. Uh, although that's always one, you know, people always say they love the book and, I, and it reads like a novel ball by itself. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say that would be one, obviously. However, uh, if they enjoy dragons, uh, then I say that, that please either check out Rex Draconis. You know, it's real easy to start that one. I've only I've got the, only the first novella, and then you can see a lot of information about okay. the world on the, on the Facebook pages. Um, if you want something much more complex, than the dragon realm. You know, Fire Drake was Fire Drake was my first completed novel, and it's still okay. one people enjoy. Um, like I said, uh, I'll give you an example: a dark horse. He looks like a, a shadow of a living, a shadow of a big black stallion uh, with icy eyes, ice blue eyes. Uh, but he's actually like a living hole with a with an attitude. Uh, Shade is a is a is a warlock slash sorcerer uh, with a kind of yin yang problem, who's who because of the curse he pretty much brought on himself. His face is always out of, out of sync uh, blurry you can't, you can't quite see it and he, and he hmm. if you friend in one incarnation, then he'll be your enemy in the next, and so on back and forth and just to give you an idea of some of the that one okay. um, if you like urban fantasy, which this is a little bit different stuff for me, uh, then I would say the black City Saints series there's two books with a third one coming
1: yeah i want I want to chime in on that one because I was
3: going to
0: say I think Greg wants to uh, yeah. touch on
3: that so
1: one. so here, here's the deal like um, one of us. Has about four hundred swords in their house, and when you walk in their front have, door, there's literally no a giant, about. literally a giant dragon's head above their doorway. <laughs> so I, believe right. it, I believe it's, Sma- it's Smaug, right? Yes, yeah. Smaug. Okay. Uh, one of us, of course, are, has already mentioned that they were inspired by by that, and one of us, I have a, I love fantasy in general.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. For some reason, I think I, I think I, all three of us do.
1: Yeah, I, I do, and but. It takes me a long time because I have a really hard time, like, with names. like in, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a really tough time with names that aren't, like, just, you know, John or Jimmy. So when I saw that you had the, the urban fantasy stuff and the fact that it was kind of, it was set in an era I'm currently, like, obsessed with, like, the, you know, like, the late 1800s, early 1900s era. I'm right. being broad there. I can see I am really excited.
3: <laughs> yeah, Prohibition Chicago. It was, yes. That was a nice, fun time to put these things into, you yeah. know.
1: So that I so actually a lot of my questions were based on that because 'cause that is I'm I'm currently speaking of that era, I'm currently reading uh, Edison an Edison biography, but as soon as that's
3: done, I'm going right into the, 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 the Black Black City Saint series. That's cool. Um, oh by the way, if you do the Black City Saints series, there's also look at Grim Dark magazine number thirteen, it's an e magazine. There's a, a prequel novel novelette in there for the series too. Oh wow okay. magazine thirteen. Yeah, and I like guess
1: of all 13. of it. The- authors you've mentioned here so that'll end up on the face on our Facebook page at some point
3: as well. Third book is tentatively third book is tentatively due out in uh, at the end of the year uh none oh, of I will hopefully have read the other ones by then. Yeah you know, I I obviously it takes place around 1925 26 um the main character used to be St. George from St. George and the Dragon fame. Yeah. Okay. Um so so he's, and the dragon is still with him in spirit mm, hanging out in Chicago. Well, uh, no hanging out inside St. George. Okay. Oh, gotcha! Gotcha! It's, it's the spirit is literally stuck inside him because they 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 bled into each other. Basically, uh, he did what he didn't know was the dragon was also the was actually the guardian of the gate between here and fairy. And uh, there's a reason why they needed a guardian at the gate, as we find out, especially in the first book. Here, things have been going on since for for decade for decades, centuries. Uh, in fact, a lot of this book references back to the the great fire uh, and what happened back then. Okay um also i meant to mention in the second book i meant to mention of um you know the the columbian exposition and uh h.h holmes oh good old devil in the white city yeah he's amazing he's the, he's the main villain in, in the second book actually, oh, Devil wow. in the white city is one of my like one of my all-time favorite books i love that book well he's trying to come back to life in the in the second book he's back, not quite back back. I actually read it
1: while in chicago so there we go nice yeah,
3: well, yeah and um and of course, I make mention of uh, of Capone and uh, Moran, you know the, the the big guys at the time there. And, and I throw, you know, you get to see, you hear about some of the other things that are going on at those times. And I always pay note because always now and then something you'll find it doesn't quite sound right historically wise, but there's always a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Ah. So, but I've, I've gotten some really nice. Uh, I've gotten some of my best reviews on this series. Wow, I mean, Publishers Weekly, um, Romantic Times, Historical Book Novel Society. Book list. Uh, I mean, I've had some really good reviews on this. So, so, so now you're, you're from that area, correct? I was born raised in the Chicagoland area. So I was always fascinated by that stuff. And, uh, I, I knew someday I was going to write something that took place in that time period. And then finally, and then, and then uh, I, walked, I, said, I was just about to ask. But I have to have a dragon in there. And yes, the dragon <sighs> does manifest mm-hmm. in Chicago. Of course, it's not the only big thing in Chicago either. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, when you, have, when you have a gateway to ferry that all means all the things that come with fairy. And besides the elves, I mean. They all, you know, have all the big things that come with fairy too. So I mean, um, got the big darnest kelpie you've ever seen. So it, uh, there's all kinds of things. Yeah, you, this with this way. Don't you don't want to be you don't want to be in the waters of Lake Michigan by yourself. on this series. <laughs> <know>. oh, nice.
2: <laughs> um, as soon as I get through um, Codex Alera by Jim Butcher, I'm fellow going Sch- fellow
3: Chicagoan, I believe, right? Going yeah. right. Yeah, he's, yeah, um, um, yeah. Jim Butcher, uh, Jim Butcher, Jim Butcher has a series that takes place in Chicago. I understand. Mm-hmm.
0: The Dresden Files, I believe, is set in Chicago.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there more than one book in that? I'm just kidding. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for his next one in, in that series. But he's writing like four or five other series all at the same time.
3: Yeah, I'm getting that too. I'm getting that from some people. It's like you're writing, you're writing Rex Draconis. you're writing Dragon Realm, you're writing. You're writing Black City State and you're writing some other people. What are you doing? Um, yeah, so like, you know –
2: oh, go ahead, Jimmy. I, I was going to say I can't imagine how you keep all that organized.
3: Um, it's pretty good, actually. I, I, in, the, in the early days, before my, my mind compartmentalized itself properly, I did get a little confused. I mean, while I was writing Legend of I was also trying to write a science fiction novel uh, that partly had to do with the space station. At some point, I started writing the main character's name was Huma, so I had this <laughs> had this night ring around a space station, basically. which you doing?
1: I would read that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> just saying. Uh, so so I, I, that never got finished, which is probably a good thing at this point. But, yeah. uh, but you know, I, like I, said, I, I think all all the series are pretty active right now. I've got I've got a new trilogy with the Dragon Realm coming up, so I'm jo- I'm just enjoying trying to get things done. That's all. Awesome. You guys need
2: to catch up. Yeah, I I really do.
3: I've only got fifty novels out. Come on.
1: Well, when you mentioned there was like 18 novels in that one series, I, I started getting a little bit of anxiety ridden cuz I'm I am a completist when it comes to that kind of stuff. No, so, no. It's only 14.
3: There's only, there's only 14 and about okay. a dozen novellas. So you're, it's not it's not nearly as trouble so. <laughs> I
2: I am as well um, you know, with uh with Huma and um Starting off that whole kind of world, opening that world up, just opening fantasy up in general. I mean, I, I read Huma before I read Lord of the Rings, before I read The Hobbit, before I read any other type of fantasy.
3: Oh, what about um, that?
2: And it, it became, I'm a very much a completest thing for me as well, where, um, the Dragonlance books would be, you know, right next to each other in order on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. And I would just go back one week and grab the next one. Grab the next one, grab the next one. So when I start a series, I can't stop so, I,
3: I don't like that myself. Uh, but yeah. And I, and I, and I appreciate that from readers too. Believe me. Yeah.
2: Um. It's I'm, I'm, I'm going to grab, I think Rex Draconis. It's uh. was that 159 pages somewhere I'm around gonna,
3: there? A paper copy right here. Hang on a second. Uh, okay. 180,
2: 163 pages. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm adding that to the Kindle right now.
3: It's got a map too, just so you know. Oh, good. (laughs) I I, I I love that. I love that. I can spend hours looking at. It's got a map like you expect to see from those days, you know?
2: Yeah. That's fantastic.
3: You'll get to, you'll you'll know where, you'll know where Dracoma is and where the Minotaur empire is. And, uh, and uh, lots of places you won't even see in this particular story. Um, Okay. But you'll get to, you'll get to, you'll get to an idea of where some of the things that are going to be happening come from. So, and um, Hydra is going to going to reproduce all the uh, stories for me in in book form. Oh, they're uh, working on getting an audio book of uh, Under the Dragon Moon going. They've got okay. they, they just picked. Oh nice. A, we just, yeah, we just picked a person. She's a, she's got a, a terrific uh, British voice, which I okay. like. Yeah, and uh, see, I don't care if it's a, if it's a man or woman. I just want the voice to sound right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've seen some very good stuff narrated by women in the field and men by men. Um, and um, I, I thought we had one, we had one guy who I thought might've been okay, but every time he did the minotaur voices, it, it started getting high pitched and I couldn't figure that one
2: out. Oh no. You're like, no. Like they're not you gilding. Know what a minotaur is.
3: Gilding. <laughs> 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 but, um, but all the voices were good. It was hard to pick, uh, but she, she's, I understand she's also a fan of mine too, which is kind of nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, uh, so it will be nice to have that on audio, but because a lot of books in my of mine are not on audio, for one reason or another, so so ones a do shop. It's, it's a nice addition to have. So.
1: Um, you know, kind of bouncing back and forth between the writing for a fantasy world that either exists or you created versus writing in like a real location like Chicago is there like a different process there?
3: Oh yeah, um, do, my do own ideas own. come differently. With my own stories, you know, I got a little more leeway. Obviously, um, with a, with a, with a series like Black City Saint, I'm constantly doing research when I'm writing those. But I like that because I like the time period. And mm-hmm. I can, I'll write something and go, "Hey, I bet there's something that has, that makes sense with this." And I'll go look that up, and that'll make me find something else, and I'll put that into the book, you know, where where I think it looks appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's uh, but and then with but with people with the worlds like Warcraft and Dragonlance. You know they give me material and i try to draw my stories based on the material sometimes they'll say we need you to correct some things or which means change them and i'm like oh good that means that there are going to be readers out there who's going to hate me mm-hmm. <laughs> so but i'll do it. everything everything i've always done has always been based on what they've okayed what they've wanted me to do and you know, what the world so i have enjoyed playing in other people's worlds it's, it's kind of an extension of of reading you know i enjoyed entering the worlds of other writers when I, especially when i was younger mm-hmm. and so um, this, you know, this, this is just, this is just the same thing, only more so. Hmm.
1: I had another one here also just about, you know, branching out a little bit. And you mentioned the, uh, the role-playing game coming up. Um, of course, Game of Thrones has pushed fantasy, like way into the spotlight. And, um, I'm sure Lord of the Rings kind of helped as well. Uh yeah. you, do you have any desire to see your work in other formats other than, than, uh, novel?
3: Well, like I said, um, I, um, I'm very glad I've got, um, I've got, to. Uh, some good guys doing the Rex Draconis RPG uh, adventures. You know, these will be, like I said, these will be compatible with 5 e and Pathfinder. And um, both of the gentlemen who I who are w- working with, they've done some very excellent uh, work in the past, uh, you know, bestsellers and, and, and uh, such. And so I'm very pleased with the work I know from them. And they know my work, obviously. So mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm very happy with that. I wouldn't mind, of course, seeing... Oh, and there, and uh, the, uh, the Black Sea Saint has been optioned. Of course, I go long time, but um, they're discussing trying to trying to work uh, into a, some sort of TV aspect which uh, because mm. you know, they can you know use different aspects of the novels um, in in a more in a more um, outstretched way as opposed to you know, a one shot sort of thing okay I'm perfectly fine with that like I said, it takes it takes a long time i just, just i just was uh, emailing the guy last month to get an update and you know he, he told me what was going on there and uh, so I'm happy with that too so um, and if, you know, obviously, audiobooks are just like an extension of the novels and stuff. So, but so, yeah. so. Uh, so yeah, I don't mind seeing other and other things. When when uh, when I discussed for the for the, the adventures with the RPG gentlemen, um Mike and Phil, um, I, they were they were eager. They they thought it was a great idea. They liked the world. You know, we're always I'm always they're asking me questions, and I'm always throwing ideas at them based on the questions they ask. And so they ask me about one thing, and I'll give them like three things back. And they'll, and they'll ask me this, something else, and they'll from a few things back, and they're like, they like the fact that, the, that you saw the, you saw the page, the PG page. I mean, I mean, my my page too, where I mentioned like the character of the death. You know, that's just some, he just grew out of some other material that I gave him, and uh, just seemed very appropriate new character. And uh, um, you know, that, it's just fun working back and forth. I love I love creating things, mm-hmm. and um, the gaming aspect helped me create things. There's some other people been been, been, been uh, approaching me on a different sort of game aspect. Uh, for for uh, the series too, but we'll have to see how
1: that goes. I'm looking at some of the artwork now. I love I love fantasy artwork. It's it, do do you option that or is it like I always wondered that? Like, does someone write the book and then it gets sent to the author and the author like draws something from the book? Well, there's some the, author, the artist rather.
3: Well, there's some different things going on with uh, Rex Draconis, for instance. Um, the first thing I did was locate a couple of uh, you know free art pieces or 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 inexpensive art pieces because I needed something. To set up on the page, you know, so that's, that's always that thing. Um, Hydra found the cover for Rex Draconis. I had had another cover for a, a private version of it that I was able to, to exchange with an, with an artist I knew from some of my uh, foreign work, publications. And he had a really good picture of an image of dragons that I remember from something way back. And so I asked him if I could exchange that for doing something else. And that works out nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with, uh, and then the, the actual, the actual first piece of artwork that I have had. Uh, that's that's uh, done, done exactly for the series. Actually, the death. I needed. I wanted to just hit him show up just right because you know he's going to have a point to play later on in the stories. And so I discussed that with uh, with my uh, wonderful artist uh, over in over a season. She, uh, you know, Mar artist is is what she goes by on there. But uh, you can see her full name and all her. her uh, her page with all her work on there. She she's actually she does she does uh, professional work for a number of games and other other stuff. And um, I'm pushing her work as much as I can because I think she I think she did a grand job just in the sketch alone. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, hopefully use more of her in the future. Um, and then the, and then the RPG people have already uh, have already uh, commissioned one uh, piece of art for their stuff. Um, it's, it's a battle scene that shows a quillum, a minotaur, a knight. And uh, one of the where my, my, uh, I guess they're kind of like gnolls in a sense, you know, they're, they're, they're canine creatures. They're, you know, they're, they're some of the main adversaries of not only the minotaurs, but the humans, uh, nasty cussies, basically. So, yeah,
1: the yeah. cover of Under the Dragon Moon that night looks like he's about to have a seriously bad day. Yeah,
3: <laughs> he's about to have a bad day in that, in that story. <laughs> lightly, lightly toasted very, very soon. Oh, you think you think that's lily tozy Just wait until you see the the climax of the book. <laughs> There's all kinds of crazy things going on. Well, I'm
2: really looking forward to to getting my hands on it. Yeah, well, if you sure. enjoy,
3: it, if you read it, I hope you enjoyed. It. You know that. So. Yeah,
2: hands on the Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, been okay. very resistant too, but.
3: <laughs> actually, it seems to be going to get, getting good comments by people who have read it so far, so I'm happy about that. Excellent been about that one's been a little labor, labor of a with all they are but I mean this one was once been stewing in one way or another for a very long time
1: looking
0: through your bio and this is kind of off the topic but I, under, I understand that you actually started majoring in chemistry is that correct
3: that's correct actually for a semester I was a chemical engineer then I was a chemistry major and then about three-fourths of the way through that uh, you, you, you see these other rest, I was like, uh, I was, I thanked the, the department, the university of Illinois for convincing me. I was destined for another career than chemistry.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: Okay. Fair it, wasn't, it wasn't that, it wasn't that I was doing bad. It's just that, that I was realizing this is not going where I want it to go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because And I had to ask that because I actually did the same thing as well. I, I started out majoring in chemistry and then I had my first chemist, my very first chemistry teacher did not speak any English. And that, uh. that kind of went up in smoke.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little side here. Um, I, I was with a, a – a, um, we had a video group in, in my school. And uh, we, had a, we had a program we, – we did a special a comedy program and some other stuff there. And so one of the things I did was I came up with some short, some short joke vignettes. And one was the fact that, you know, one was the fact that the troubles of students – And so one of them was, you know, the the student, he's in horrible straits. He does not understand anything about this project. And so he goes to the teaching assistant and asks for help. And she looks over the stuff that he's trying to send and she goes, oh, okay. And then she opens her mouth, and she's speaking another language, Ah. playing the whole thing in another language. And he's just staring in in horror and disbelief because he doesn't understand anything. And uh, this was based on all experience. Yep. I have a statistics class that uh, had the same thing. Yeah, we had a teach, teaching assistant, and I think he was um, he was uh, Chinese, and he, he learned, I think he knew like five words in English. And I was like, how do you teach us anything? Yeah. So so the podcast, as as you
1: might know, or as you've probably seen from our email, is called the Give Me Five podcast, and it's not like a high five thing. It's a uh, – well, it's, you know, people like lists.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be winging it because I didn't get a chance to get back to read that.
1: <laughs> oh. Okay, well, you, you might – it might actually be kind of easy for you. so. So we will ask a question of somebody or come up with it on our own if we don't have an interview that week where it requires, uh, you know, five answer, a list of five um, with, you know, five to one, meaning uh, number one being the best one. Right. And the question for you, what are your five favorite fantasy universes that you've read, written, or would like
3: to write for? Wow. Um, Other than the ones I've created, right? Yeah, let's go.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, most people would like to, Play in their own. So let's let's go with the ones that you did not create.
3: Well, let's see. Um, I'm going to name five. And uh, I five at random first. Uh okay. Corin, which is Dragonlance. Uh, mm. And then you know then there's also the World of Warcraft and uh, and Diablo. Um, I like that you know both the Sanctuary is, is the one from Diablo. Um, let's see. Um, I think that um, I think that um, two, three, three, I'm debating between a couple of different ones here right now. So. Not a problem. No, that's fine. We're putting you on the spot. <laughs> Actually, uh, um, no, that, that sounds too close to one of mine. Never mind. Um, okay, Warcraft, Diablo Dragon. Actually, I don't know why I'm, I'm having any trouble. Conan, of course. That's one. I forgot about that.
2: Okay. Uh,
3: and uh, let's see. And, oh, and, uh, and uh, the world of uh, the Ember Chronicles. Okay, okay, so the ones from... Uh, Roger right and Yeah. Um, I guess there's six would be a John Carter or Mars. Okay. So I'm give you a six. One. Uh, of those, boy, that's a tough one. Uh, God, I like them all. That's that's, that's a problem. Um, Dragonlance is going to be one or two. I know that for sure. Uh, yeah. Warcraft is probably going to be the other one or two. I've got flip flop between the two of those. Um, then probably comes um, either really close. I mean, they're almost like sideways instead of one, two, three, you know. Um, and then uh, Diablo and uh, John, and uh, the John Carter Mars World probably then. And then uh, the other one, then the other one's after that, but they're all like scrunched together. This isn't like a, there's, like no, there's, there's not much of a gap between any of those. You know, like, like that. So we've we've had quite a few of those. I mean, yeah, we've,
2: we've it's, I'm always the one that, you know, no particular order. So, you know,
3: you know how they get these lists where they go one and then because they have a tie, they go to the three, the next one, you know, it's like that. Yeah, That's exactly. What, might be like one, one, one one. 1.5. <laughs> yeah,
0: my, my list had six or seven on it, I think.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's yeah. And believe me, if I gave if I thought about it, even if I had prepared for it, I would have had more, a lot more because it just I mean, I there's just so many worlds I enjoy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where we're like, well, you know, we kind of cheated on that list of five, but then again, it is our podcast, and and we're giving it to everyone for free, so we can do
3: whatever we want. Yeah, it's your game, it's your rules. Exactly. We are the
0: dragon or the dungeon masters. The dragon masters. We're the dungeon masters. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I have Dragon Masters. They didn't do too well. Oh man, that's <laughs> that's, that's that's the Turning War trilogy for the Dragon Realm. You can read it after Fire Drake. There you go. You it Fire Drake. gotcha. Drake.
1: We've got homework, guys. Lots of it.
3: Nothing, let's just say nothing doesn't go well for for most people, including the good guys and the bad guys. It's kind of a it's kind of a of a much calmer, simpler Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> I say yeah. Bad things happen to people in fantasy stories, and nothing good ever happens to the horses. You no, really nothing. don't ever want to be a horse. And I guess, you know, kind of closing out, uh, you know, what we've mentioned some of it, but, uh, mm-hmm. what do you have coming up and what, you know, you're. Well, but let's sell, let's sell some books for you.
3: Okay. Well, um, the latest thing out is pretty much, um, Rex Draconis in terms of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Black City Saints stuff. I have three older novels that have been republished through primitive press. Uh, they call it, they call the city of shadows set They all take place in Chicago, but they're they're not necessarily tied together. There's a uh, Frostwing, uh, King of the Grey, and Dutchman. Uh, Dutchman is the flying Dutchman in Chicago. Uh, Frostwing mm-hmm. is a gargoyle who steals the memories of the main character. And King of the Grey has the worst goddarnest uh, rhyming raven that you don't want to get run into. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so they're all fun. So if you're, if you're looking for, for, my, for some contemporary urban fantasy... Those are some of my older ones. that They kind of influence uh Black City Saint in some ways.
1: And where are those uh,
3: available? Uh, you can find those online or in or in some bookstores. I know that Barnes Noble has uh, has some of them. Uh okay. or, or, they, or you know you know, um Mysterious Galaxy if you live in San Diego, places like that. So yeah, okay. uh, and Rextraconus, uh you can mostly find that online. I know some bookstores have it. it was, yeah, um and of course they're all those are all available in ebook form too. And then um Let's see. Just recently, had the turn in war from Dragon Realm, also published by Permitted Press. So those are new. Um, I have a, I have a book that's supposed to be for a, based on a TV show that's coming out, but we're still working on that one, so I'm not sure when the exact date is on that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to mention what it is yet either. Um, uh, Black yeah, Black City Dragon, the first novel, the third novel in, in uh, that series is tentatively set for November December. Um, and I will definitely get the uh, the second Rex novel out sometime this year. Um let's see who else is there? There's one other, and um there's something else I'm forgetting now. I'm gonna things are getting over a little complicated, I guess. <laughs> 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 uh, but there should there and I'll probably and I'll probably do some more Draconis and dragon realm work this year too. Excellent.
1: Wow. And people can check up on you on your website, I believe, because that, that's where I found
3: website it. Website or especially my Facebook page, uh um Richard Allen Knack um, I tend to spend more time on there than my website just because it's more, of a, I get I interact with, with the readers more there. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then I have separate pages for Rex Draconis and, uh, and Black City Saints series that people can pop in and see things there too. But, but the one, the, my, my pro page, uh, not the Richard Knack page. That's my personal one. I don't really go there much, but the pro page is where I hang out a lot. Okay.
1: And you also did a really awesome, uh, Reddit ask me anything I saw as well about a year ago, which I've,
3: that's what I've had some, I've had some interesting, uh, uh interviews and, and, uh, podcasts and such through the times. So, uh, always, everyone's always a little bit different. Uh, this one has been enjoyable too. Huh.
1: Thank you very much. So, um, for, for, from on that note, I'm going to thank you very much for, for joining us. It was, it was an honor and then I'm going to let Jimmy gush for the next three and a half hours.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, so you want to I sit say. down
1: get some water, you know? Uh, no,
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it short, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not every day you get to, talk to somebody who kind of opened up the, a whole literary world to you. So uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate your work. I can't wait to dive into the rest of it and a, a very, very sincere. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So we are going to answer the question that we posed to our guest as well. So why don't you go ahead and go first, Jimmy? All right, fine. I think I will. I'm going to start probably the most obvious one uh probably the most popular one, last on my list, and that's Lord of the Rings. Not because I don't love it, but because I think I have better reasons for the other ones. Uh mm-hmm. Number four, <laughs> you're going to appreciate this one. My number four fantasy universe is the universe created by Patrick Rothfuss, and that's the Kingkiller Chronicles, Uh because I'd finish the damn thing.
3: If he
0: would ever write it! <laughs>
2: My number three, as we talked about with Richard Knack, he brought up the urban fantasy genre, and this one is one of those. It's the Bobby – Bobby Dollar series um, by Tad Williams of – uh the first book is Happy Hour in Hell, or I'm sorry, Dirty Streets of Heaven. I don't know why I wrote that. Um but, lit. Yeah, it is a, a extraordinarily fun series. The world might be a little tricky, but – Number two, and this was very difficult, uh, number two is going to be the dark tower because Stephen King just poured everything, every creative influence he's ever had into that and wrote a fantastic story. Number one though is going to be the world of Kryn and that is from Dragonlance. How about you? How,
0: how did I know you were going there? <laughs> um, well, I, I had a hard time because I had, I had more than five. Um, fantasy has kind of how been did, my. How did I know you were going to say that?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: fantasy has kind of been my niche since I started reading. I've always, I've always enjoyed the science fiction and fantasy stuff. So one of one of my one of the ones on my list is science fiction and not quite fantasy, but it is kind of fantasy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm I'm going to start with and and. Middle Earth just missed my list. It's it's sitting at number 6 tied with Elendil, which mm-hmm. is from the Mistborn trilogy, which I really really enjoyed. I think I think he did a uh, Brandon Sanderson did a great job setting up the mythos and the 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 whole feeling of that of that world in general. But my my number 5 is probably going to be Roshar and Roshar is the fictional world where Brandon Sanderson's stories, the Storm, the Stormlight Archives takes place. And he actually just released the third book in the series, in that series. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed the series. It's been, it's been a great series. So that's, that's probably going to be my number five. My number four, I'm going to reach back a little bit. My number four, I'm going to go all the way back to Earthsea with, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's it sounds the, familiar. It's, the, uh, it's a cycle. So it's four books. It was four books written by Ursula K. Le Guin. And I believe the first one was written in the seventies called the wizard of earth But it was, it was one that I read uh, as a child or when I was younger. Um, I read that one when I was younger and it really, really left a lasting impact on me. I really enjoyed that series. And it was, a, it was, it was really great, really great world to, to have those stories set in.
3: Awesome. My number
0: three, my number three is going to be the one that, that may or may not have some challenges, but that's going to be Star Wars. I consider that science oh, fiction, I, and I've read several novels in, in that world, so I think it counts. But I, I love the, the Star Wars universe. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's a lot of fun, and there's so much you can do with
1: it, just like Disney's doing now. So I still think I, I think of that more on sci-fi than fantasy. It really depends on how the question was asked for me. Well, but typically sci fi fantasy is grouped together. I know, especially yeah. So that was why I included because I'm only answering. I'm going to answer it as as just fantasy because if if you had sci fi and fantasy, it's going to be way too broad. In fact, all nope. of, I think all of the fantasy ones would get knocked out if I did it as both. Like there wouldn't be any that I would consider fantasy that I would look nope. better than like Firefly universe or Star Wars universe or well maybe not Star Trek, but um, even the the universe of uh, oh shoot. Shoot. I, if I was not going to say the name of the show, I would have known it. The, uh... Eh, oh, well, I'll... But... I'll cut the part out, apparently, because I don't remember the name of it.
0: I did stick with literary universes, so... What
2: the fuck was that?
1: What?
0: What?
2: <laughs> Nothing. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, Star Wars is my number three. My number two is... Of course, going to be the Harry Potter universe. J.K. Rowling did a masterful job creating this universe. And the, the stories that she has told in this universe are so captivating from, from the movies to the books, everything just, in, just involved in this whole universe. She, she has done such a great job. And it's, it's probably my second favorite. It, not probably. It is my second favorite sci-fi fantasy universe, but my number one. And you guys are now somewhat familiar with it. Yes, is going is to be Alera, and that's from awesome. the from the series by Jim Butcher, mm-hmm. um, the Codex Alera, and it is it is such an interesting world. It is so neat. I love the way that he set up and designed the way that they have that symbiotic relationship between the the people and their furies that they bind to them. It's it's just. It's just really great. It's 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 pro- it is most definitely my favorite. It it's probably it's my favorite series to date too. I, I I really loved the. It's a six book series, and I really loved
1: that series. Your turn, Greg. Hey, gentlefolk. As you know, I'm the the least uh, f- fantasy adept person here, but uh, I got some stuff for you. Uh, number five, Eternia, the okay, the wonderful world of He Man. Where I'll give you that one. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. It was awesome. It was. uh you know, it was large dudes and green tigers. And yeah, it was cool. All right. I'm going to go with my number uh, four is Hyrule. Okay. Going from a cartoon to uh, Legend of Zelda. And uh, I haven't played any of the recent Legend of Zelda games, honestly, because those things are big and long. And uh, I'm busy <laughs> and I can't. That's what she said. They're big and long and I'm busy. Wow. That's what she said. With large dudes and green tigers. Yeah. Uh, we have a title. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, no, I'm going to go with the, the <laughs> World of Hyrule. That, the early games of those, nice. I, I would spend days playing those things. Oh, yeah. Uh, number three is going to be the Lord of the Rings world. And it, one, two, and three are all really close. So Lord of the Rings for for number three. The books are good, but there is quite a few, like... I think the movies are what really pulled that out of me, and the video games, the Shadows of Mortar game,
0: because mm-hmm.
1: the books are really good. But they'll take an epic battle and he'll turn it into like a paragraph, and then followed up with like seven pages of prose and songs, and uh, it was it's really hard to get through on that. Like, but when you actually see it played out in video game form or in movie form, it it spoke to me a lot more. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with the Harry Potter world as well. And not only is it a great book, it's great movies, but it's also, you know, theme park that we can go to a lot. And it's, mm-hmm. you, you're immediately engulfed in that world. And it's, there's, it's unique. It's very British, but it's, a, it's something that you can kind of get into and understand pr- relatively easily. And I think it's a good, it's a good entry point too. I mean, as I've talked about them a lot, but my five-year-old it loves it. You know, my, my mm-hmm. five-year-old has loved going there and playing with the, the interactive areas and what he's been Mm -hmm. watching the movies up to the points where they get a little too scary, but you know, he, he really enjoys it. And when, whenever he sees the billboards, he's like, it's Harry Potter, but it's just a, it's great world building. And it's, you know, it has lore to it. Um, and number one is the world of Westeros, which shouldn't be any surprise since we also do a podcast, a special episode podcast on game of Thrones episodes. Um, we do, we do. (laughs) And we will again, Eventually, oh.
0: surprise, Jimmy.
1: <laughs> Where have I been? Yeah. Hey, man.
2: <laughs> hey, man.
1: So, no, the Westeros, the uh, you know, it's I think it's it's very deep kind of fantasy. It's got political intrigue. It's got everyone you love dying. Dragons. Uh, yeah, there's there's dragons. There's zombies. There's zombie dragons. There's ice zombie dragons. Oh, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, almost. That's the one that actually has made me like look deeper. And want to do the research on it, and want to know the other tales, and you know, read the book, and watch the show,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and listen to the book. So I would go with Westeros. I would not actually want nice. to live there, though.
2: No, of course I would not.
1: Not survive would, very long. That would be that would be terrible. Really, in any of these worlds, I wouldn't survive awesome. very long. I think that uh, covers us. With with my luck, in like the Harry Potter world,
0: I would be a muggle. You totally you would. <laughs> And then it would be completely pointless to live in that universe.
1: And I'd be one of those professors at Hogwarts that only lasts for one year.
0: <laughs> what are, what are your guys' favorite? Hit us up. Let us know. Was there anything that we forgot that we overlooked? What, what fantasy realms have spoken to you? We want to know,
2: you know, look us up on, on Facebook. Uh, send us a line at give me five podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
3: A bad sense of humor i grew up on on uh, bugs bunny cartoons
1: you're quite all right i have the a ric- terrible sense of humor and i have no
2: excuses
3: unedited ones yeah.
2: you should uh, you should listen to you should hear some of the things rob says
0: i'm sure okay. i have no idea what you're talking about
2: <laughs>
1: because we are educators i cut out some of it but of what he says but i, I leave just enough to let them know that he you know, he's the he's the weird one <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: let's kill him anyway